Brothers and sisters, the text for this morning is the first two verses of Psalm 112. Psalm 112, verses 1 and 2. We'll read those verses again. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. So far, the text. Beloved people of God, an inheritance is something that is normally only received when somebody in a family has, has died. Not a happy occasion. And yet, if, parent, if possible, parents often like to build up a bit of a legacy to pass on to their children. For instance, they invest in possessions or funds or a nice home which they can pass on to their children. Or business or farm they can give as a legacy. On the, in the ancient Near East, children normally inherited lands and flocks or herds from their parents. It was handed down from generation to generation. And uh, an inheritance like that could give uh, the next generation a fair bit of ability to get ahead if they had a substantial legacy. But there's also such a thing as a spiritual inheritance that one generation can do their utmost to pass on to the next generation. And that's what the sermon this morning is about in connection with the beginning of a new season of instruction at school and catechism instruction begins later on this month again too. And I proclaim to you the word of God in the text with this theme, then let the next generation inherit God's blessing. And we see three things, what that inheritance actually is, how that, secondly, how that inheritance is received, and thirdly, how that inheritance is built up for the next generation. So first of all, what that inheritance is. Psalm 112 probably doesn't figure in the top 10 psalms that we like to sing, right? Even if, even if we had the top 50 psalms, I doubt if Psalm 112 would crack the top 50. Bit of a forgotten psalm. And that's mostly why also, you know, the, the tune, we, we can sing that fairly nicely this morning, but it's not that well known. And I don't think it's hard to figure out why this is not a really popular song. It's the content of the song. It seems to present faith in the Lord as a kind of a guarantee for a successful material life. 
lends, seems to lend credence to the health, wealth, and success gospel, which is proclaimed by some preachers in North America and Africa today as if faith in Jesus is going to bring you success and riches and luxuries. In congregation, we find that offensive, don't we? And besides, it's just not true that believers are richer, better off than unbelievers ultimately here in this life. If that was true, a lot of people would flock to churches not because they love the Lord, but because they want to be successful in this life. And that wouldn't be right, would it, if that's why we're here together today because we want to get ahead materially. People professing faith in the Lord because they figure they'll get rich and powerful and successful and have material wealth to pass on to their children. We don't like the way this psalm puts those kind of things. It's just not right. Faith brings spiritual blessings, not necessarily material ones, as this psalm seems to indicate. But congregation, you have to see this psalm in the context of the Old Testament church. In the Old Testament, the blessings promised to the man who feared the Lord were a lot more tangible. And they had to be tangible. Don't forget these people did not have the, the, the gospel of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So God had to make that tangible for them. And therefore, it involved life in the promised land, which was very tangible. If a man obeyed God's commandments, a lot of blessings would flow to him as he lived in the land, the promised land, the land that God had given to, to Israel as promised to Abram, Isaac, and Jacob. Hence the praise to the Lord at the beginning of this psalm. That man would pass wealth and influence on to his children and grandchildren, to the generations. He would even be remembered by children, grandchildren, and so on. For the Old Testament believer, you see, that was evidence of spiritual blessing. You were blessed in the land if you trusted in the Lord and lived for him by walking in his ways. And you see the reality of that expressed throughout the Old Testament, don't you? When the people of Israel feared the Lord, their covenant God, and walked in the way of his commandments, they were blessed with good crops and prosperity in the land and with success against their enemies who wanted to take their their goods away, take their land. But if they ran after other gods besides or instead of the Lord, their God, their covenant God, and they ignored his good laws, they were given over to hardship and famine and defeat. That's very plainly outlined in the Old Testament. So in the Old Testament, the blessings for believers were very tangible. 
also involving their well-being in the promised land. What about today? We don't live in the land of Israel anymore, the promised land. We live here in Canada in the 21st century. And a lot has happened between the time when this psalm was written and today. Also, on spiritual level then, things have become a lot deeper, we could say, after Christ. See, in the time between then and now, God has increasingly made known his ultimate goal with it all, with his blessings. He's working towards the new earth, working towards a completely renewed earth where his people will enjoy perfect and eternal life and blessing with him. A glorified life without need, without pain, without sorrow, without death, without sin. The coming of God's Son, Jesus Christ, and his death and resurrection and ascension into heaven, they are the pivotal event in God's working toward that future. And that took place between then and now. And that's what our inheritance is now then, as new people of God, the inheritance we can look forward to. The promised land, the blessings for us. We read about that in 1 Peter 1, 4 and 5. An inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. So you could say that in the Old Testament, the spiritual inheritance for one's children was very tangible. A place, a place in, the, in the promised land, blessings in the promised land, a good life, prosperity and esteem. However, after Christ's work on earth, that spiritual inheritance has become less tangible, and it doesn't need to be because of Christ. We have that gospel of Christ, that reality. It's become less tangible, but it's still as real, and it's reserved in heaven for us. An eternal life with God in perfect blessedness. What a glorious inheritance to look forward to and to live for now. To know that you have that legacy coming to you, that changes you now already, how you live, how you react to situations in life. That, that future that, that affects how you live now. You live and you die comforted. You have a glorious hope which relativizes all the troubles of today. And that hope tempers the anxiety and the sorrow which you deal with here and now already too then. You, you have this rich and glorious future coming to you as, as a, a believer then. And you can live in the anticipation of that. God's going to make everything right and good and well for you. Success in God. Spiritual success, what, a, what, a, what an inheritance. 
So we paid attention to what that inheritance mentioned in Psalm 112 is. We come to the second part, how it's received. How do I and my children, my descendants, the generations after me receive that blessing of spiritual inheritance? Our text describes how in Old Testament terms, again, fear the Lord and keep his commandments. Talks about the man who fears the Lord and keeps his commandments. Fear the Lord. That doesn't mean be afraid of God. No, it means respect Him. Revere the Lord. And revering would mean then, too, that you entrust your, your life to Him. And that then includes wanting to do what the Lord wants of you, too. If you revere Him, you also want to obey his commandments, delight in his commandments, it even says. That's how you receive the blessings of the Lord in the Old Testament. Embrace the Lord as your God and then also delight to walk in his commandments. Those two belong together. Also today, as New Testament people of God, we'd say, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and which and the fruit of that is to follow him in doing God's will. However, something has changed in that regard from the Old Testament to the New Testament way of receiving that as spiritual inheritance. At the time Psalm 112 was written, faith in the Lord God was first and foremost. But the doing of his commandments involved a lot more than for us today. A lot of things in the lives of the Israelites were prescribed in the law of Moses, and that's included under the commandments here. Actually, the word used here in, in Psalm 112 is instructions, and that includes not just the Ten Commandments, as we heard them this morning, but all the laws that the Israelites were given in the Torah of Moses. And you know how extensive they were. They were given laws about what they were to do when they found their neighbor's animal wandering in their field, how they were not to sow their field with two kinds of seed, how they were to deal with accidental killing of someone, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, every part of life. It was a whole civil law for God's people in Canaan. And the problem was they were not very good at keeping the Lord's instructions. They failed very often. They sinned. And we read that throughout the Old Testament. Every time again, sacrifices therefore had to be brought. Animals were killed instead of people, in place of people. And through bringing those sacrifices, you could still be upright as mentioned in verse 2. That's what you were called when you believed the Lord and obeyed His commandments. Also the commandments concerning the bringing of atonement then and peace offerings and thank offerings when required because of your sins. And then you realize because of your sins and shortcomings in the Old Testament, the blood had to flow. Blood had to flow through the temple day in, day out. 
And that showed how upset the Lord God was because of the sins of his people, that he required all those commandments and the killing of all those animals. Animals constantly sacrificed there in the temple. So for the Israelites, fearing the Lord and delighting in his commandments, that also included sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice. That's what the result was too. More and more dead animals. And that's because people are so poor at believing in the Lord and obeying his commandments. But then at the turning point of history, God brought about a change in that. He sent his only son, Jesus, the only one who could truly and perfectly fear God and obey his commandments. And he brought the one sacrifice that ended all sacrifices, that, that ended that whole stream of blood from dead animals. He gave his own life blood for the sins of his people. And he made that clear when he proclaimed the gospel while he was here on earth. You don't need to obey those Old Testament commandments and instructions in order to receive the inheritance. Believe in me, the Lord Jesus said. Then your sins are forgiven. I, I give my life for you. And then he rose from the dead for us and therefore opened up the prospect of a life without pain or sorrow an inheritance in heaven, in Christ, which cannot corrode or fade, ready to be revealed at the last time. He ascended into heaven, and, and there that inheritance is for us, in him. Congregation, you could read the first verse of Psalm 112 today, maybe like this. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights in the Lord Jesus Christ, who has paid for all his sins who follows the Lord Jesus. Of course, we, we say that we need to obey the Lord's commandments then too. Not all his commandments. We don't bring sacrifices anymore. We don't obey a lot of other commandments the Lord gave Israel in the Old Testament, and we certainly don't obey them in order to receive that it's spiritual inheritance. But we receive that spiritual inheritance then through faith, living faith in Jesus Christ alone. Why would you still obey the Lord's commandments today then? Well, there's a whole different motivation now. You could compare that to receiving a big and unexpected promotion at your job. You always worked hard, but then suddenly your boss promotes you way up to a much better and higher paying position. How do you react to that? You do your work with even more zeal than before. That's the motivation then. Well, wouldn't that also be the effect now that we have received this awesome promotion from God, from in Christ? An inheritance which is incorruptible and undefiled does not fade, is reserved in heaven for you. It's promised to you for free because it was fully bought and paid for by Christ. You have a glorious and eternal life with God ahead of you as your legacy. Think about that. Wouldn't that just fill your heart with love and delight to do what he commands in his word? So the motivation is different. It's not the sins anymore, but it's because the sins have been paid for that you delight in God's commandments. 
He wants us to serve him alone in the first commandment of his law. Well, you can understand that now, right? He gave his only begotten son up for you. And then it's not too much for him to expect that, that you worship him alone. He doesn't want us to take his name in vain, third commandment, to misuse his name. Well, you're not going to trample on that wonderful name of your God and Savior, are you? The one who, who, who gave you life. He doesn't want us to hate our neighbor. If he loved us so much that he gave his son for us while we were still sinners, how can we live in hate towards our neighbor? He commands us to speak the truth to and about our neighbor. If he gave us Jesus Christ as the way, the truth, and the life, then we don't want to make it a way of life for us to lie or gossip about our neighbor, do we? See, that's how we can live as Christians today, receive that inheritance which is kept in heaven through faith in Jesus Christ and his salvation through the fear of the Lord, the love for the Lord Jesus Christ. And then in our hearts, which have been struck with God's love in Christ, we delight in loving him and our neighbor as ourselves. And that love is delight in the Lord's commandments, obeying with zeal out of gratitude for Christ. That's our desire. That's our delight. So we've seen what that inheritance is, something of what that inheritance is, and, and we've seen something of how we, can, how we receive that. We come to the third part of the sermon this morning, how that inheritance is built up for the next generation, how, it's, how we pass that on. What, what happens with your children when you live for that spiritual inheritance, with that spiritual inheritance in mind, then? If you live for that, that, that is the, really the joy of your life, then, then that also becomes, that inheritance becomes accessible to your children, your covenant children. That inheritance, as we mentioned before, was very tangible in the Old Testament, wealth and esteem. Your children came into that sort of inheritance then, but not automatically. They also needed to give their hearts to the Lord God and walk in the way of his instructions. And if they did that, then they could share in, in those blessings built up by their parents. But if they did not fear the Lord and delight in his ways, those blessings would disappear from their lives. You know, look at verse 10. The desire of the wicked shall perish. The blessing passed on to them by believing parents would disappear. We can apply this building up and passing on of the inheritance to the next generation, also to today, to us here today. Our inheritance is ready for us in heaven in the glorified and ascended Lord Jesus Christ. It's there fully. And that's not as tangible here, not as tangible an inheritance as the people in the Old Testament could think about. It doesn't consist of, you know, wealth, possessions, esteem, things that parents could pass on to their children as a legacy. 
Maybe, maybe our children will receive those things because parents worked faithfully and saved up and so long and so on and so forth, and they, they have esteem because they, they made wise decisions. But that's not the spiritual inheritance built up through faith in the Lord God for us today. How do you build up this spiritual inheritance for the next generation today? Well, as in Old Testament Israel, by providing your children with the example of what it is to live in faith. Example of loving the Lord. That the Lord is at the center of your life. And that you live for Him. If our walk and talk is walk and talk and faith and love in the Lord, then we give our children a lot already here and now. Make that inheritance accessible to them. That spiritual inheritance. The Lord Jesus Christ taught us not to put all our energy into acquiring the good things of, that this life has to offer, as if it's all there is. Because when you die, you leave that. And when your children die, they leave it to others. No. In Matthew 6, the Lord Jesus said, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures here on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where, where thieves do not break in and steal. In the context, the Lord Jesus was obviously not saying that you shouldn't build up savings and investments here at all to pass on to your children. What he meant was making the building up of those things the focus of your life here instead of increasing your joy in the Lord and your confidence in his promises. Because treasure here, he says, can be gone just like that. You know, you, you can think of what's happening in Ukraine or in, in the Middle East, in Syria. People built up homes and businesses and savings, and then all at once they have to flee. A bomb falls on their place, or they have to flee, and they're living on handouts in refugee camps run by the United Nations. I just heard on the news that half the population of Syria is displaced like that. What really endures. Well, the Lord Jesus says, whoever believes in me will inherit a perfect and eternal life from me and with me in heaven. And that inheritance is incorruptible and undefiled and it cannot fade away. It remains imperishable and intact here in, in heaven. So, focus your life here on obtaining that, that glorious inheritance. And teach your children then to direct their lives to also obtaining that inheritance. It's for them too then. Then you pass on to them something that's much more valuable than anything here on earth. House or wealth. No, live with an open Bible and live in love and faith and in the hope of the new earth and impress on the, new, the next generation the wonders that Christ 
has obtained for us and which we look forward to. How many children haven't learned about the Lord and His salvation and the glorious future there is in Him from their parents and their grandparents in instruction, at home, in church, and also in the Christian school. You were baptized, my child. God is your Father in heaven, in Christ. He takes care of you, loves you from birth to death. And if you have trouble in life, don't let it throw you off. He's still your loving Father, and He wants to bring you into His kingdom and live with Him there. In the pews here, we have young, young children and teens and adults who also used to be children. How many older ones haven't, how many of you older ones haven't learned from, from your parents about the Lord and His grace in Jesus Christ and about Jesus' return to make all things new? And how many didn't have that confirmed by teachers at the Christian school? And through their catechism instruction, too. Trust in the Lord. My child, look farther than what this life has to offer. It's not all here. It's in the future. The glory is to come. Love the Lord Jesus. Follow Him. Maybe there are some here today who, who didn't receive that instruction from their parents but came to faith later on. But then you also know what a struggle it can be not receiving guidance from childhood and from childhood on so that it's second nature to you. I've, I've spoken to so many who came later to faith. are jealous of those who were raised in the faith because it's living it out is second nature to them. Yes, a lot of parents have left their children with a legacy of love for and hope in the Lord by means of their word and deed. The blessings of faith, hope, and love being passed on to a lot of children, to generations, from generation to generation. But that doesn't go automatically. That doesn't go automatically, that passing on of that inheritance. There are parents here whose children don't live in that faith and hope. Children who were baptized but are, who are missing in worship here today. Children don't automatically take over the faith and hope of their parents. The next generation doesn't automatically delight to accept that spiritual inheritance. They can reject it. I don't want it. That happened in Old Testament Israel. I can't relate to you how often it happened. The next generation forsook the Lord their God and worshipped other gods. And slowly you, you see that in the Old Testament too. The blessings drained away and they ended up poor, hungry, and in the power of their enemies. The congregation that they let go of that legacy may not be because of the negligence of the previous generation. Because of our negligence in showing that the following generation, the love for the Lord, living in the hope of the life to come, because that, that happened in Israel, that it wasn't passed on. 
Judges 2 verse 10, we're told that when the generation that had entered the land of Canaan with Joshua had all died, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord. So it only took a generation or two and the people didn't know the Lord anymore. And that didn't mean that they didn't know about Him at all. No, here that knowing in Judges means loving the Lord. They didn't love the Lord anymore. He wasn't at the center of their life anymore. And why not? Well, the previous generation had it so good in the land of Canaan. They moved into cities they had not built. Harvested crops they hadn't even sown at first. And, and with all that, all that plenty, it ended up that their hearts weren't with the Lord anymore. So the generation that followed didn't actually hear much about the Lord or see much love for the Lord in action in their parents. And they ended up not knowing the Lord. And that can happen so quickly. No, we, we can't give the next generation faith. We can't do that. As much as we'd like to, only the Spirit of the Lord can work faith in hearts. We can't do His work of giving growth. But we can sow the seeds in the hearts of the next generation. And we can water that seed. So do that, congregation. Let's, let's instruct and teach the next generation about the great and saving deeds of the Lord at home, in church, and in the Christian schools as much as possible. Make it our aim as parents and as church community to build that legacy for the next generation too so they can pass it on to the following one. Do that so when the next or the following generation here ends up leaving this life and coming before the Lord, let's say, let's say if they end up coming before the Lord on judgment day to give account, they will not have cause to say, sorry, Lord, we didn't know you. Our parents and the previous generation didn't teach us in word and deed about your deeds and how to love you. No, brothers and sisters, let's not let them say that. Let's do our utmost so that when they stand before the Lord on that last day, he says to them, blessed are you. You love me. Come and receive the glorious inheritance laid up for you here. Amen.